Oh, I, okay. I didn't write a preamble. Oh, wow. Okay, you busted my chops. Mm. Uh, let's see. Arising from an erupting Mount Fuji, half bird, half reptile, it's Gamera versus Gauss. Stretched over the skin of Gauss over a plane. <laughs> <laughs> it may, that may have been. It's one that, of the that could few, be true. It's one of the few <laughs> bad effects of this movie. Whereas most of them are pretty good. No, not that one. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I didn't notice that, but I could totally see that happening. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even the tail is the is the shape of the back fin of the plane. <laughs> They had to work with the budget that they had, Alex. Which the- this one actually did. I was looking at the budgets. This one actually had a slightly lower budget um, than last week, Gamera versus Barragon. Really? Um, yeah. So it actually had not much. It wasn't much. Um, but yeah, it was a slightly lower budget. Next week's budget is cut more than in half of this week's budget. I wonder why. So, I mean, I, this film must have done so bad then. Yeah, it must have. Yeah. <laughs> or the studio was like, people will go see these movies no matter what. <laughs> we don't we don't have to spend as much on these movies as we think we do. <laughs> <laughs> One of the two. One of the two. I'm not sure. <laughs> Man. Uh, but welcome back to Monsters vs. Men. This is the podcast where we are trying our best to stay alive. I'm Eric. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> and I'm Alex. And thank you for joining us on the bargain basement of uh, podcast airwaves. Yes. And Alex, we have a guest coming in today that I'm really looking forward to. It's Matt from the Monstrosities vlog on YouTube. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into this movie so we can go ahead and get Matt on. All right. Noriaka Yuasa returns as lead director along with a familiar lead, Kojiro Hongo, for the third Gamera film, Gamera vs. Gauss, which marks the debut of Gamera's arch nemesis and the film's namesake. Building off the themes and ideas of the first two films, Gamera vs. Gauss manages to merge the two together to form its own identity. But did you enjoy the blend, Alex, or do you already wish for a series mend? <laughs> you know, after last week, I was really concerned about this one. <laughs> like, really? like, really concerned? Yeah. Huh. Um, but this movie is a quite a bit better than the previous two films. Ah. It really feels like it gets it, it gets what it wants to be from the get go. It has a mm-hmm. monster whose weakness is it can't turn its head. <laughs> And the solution is to spin the monster like a top to defeat him. Genius. <laughs> like, Genius, Alex. Like, I like that this movie embraces its sillier side while not being a parody of itself. Like, right. The monster fights, in particular, mm-hmm. aren't just a leap ahead of the previous films. It's like in another mm-hmm. galaxy. It's so <laughs> much better than, than yeah. the last two. Like, There's a lot. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot, and it's creative the whole time. Like it's, it doesn't fall into those redundancies that the Godzilla f- uh, franchise fell into in a lot of their battles during the Showa era, especially mm-hmm. the middle of the Showa era. It really consistently mixes things up throughout the, the battle, which I really like. Also, this movie actually happens to actually have Gamera in it, which is nice <laughs> compared yeah. to the last one. <laughs> and... It's, it's just, uh, this film just like, integrates him in this weird way where he just kind of shows up places if he's lured there or he just happens mm-hmm. to be passing by. He's just like <laughs> this casually flying <laughs> turtle that just shows up around the globe whenever he's uh, not necessarily needed, but he's just passing by. There's just a, yeah. The whole film has a lot of these little, little small decisions like Gauss's yellow eyes. Uh, yeah. And... <laughs> That I really like that are just uh-huh. weird, but make it its own thing that stands out from everything else. Yeah. Surely the yeah. rest of the movies get better from here, right? Oh, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure, Alex. <laughs> and, you know, 
I've got to, I've got to say, it, it, it sounds like you were enjoying this movie so much. You were getting a little choked up there. Yes. Times, yes, I was. I was. I'm, I'm so passionate about camera now that I just can't speak. I, I, I understand. <laughs> I might get choked up here in a moment as well, because I really enjoyed this movie quite a bit more actually than its 1967 counterpart, Son of Godzilla. Now, some might say it's unfair to compare Godzilla and Gamera. And I think in this case, they're right. It is unfair to compare Godzilla to Gamera because Gamera blows <laughs> it out of the water. <laughs> um, but honestly, think about it for a second. In terms of characters, I, I think Son of Godzilla holds its own there. Like I really like Goro, yeah. for example. But we have equally compa- compelling characters in this one, in my opinion. Ichi, for a child protagonist, he holds his own. Uh, and if you can't stand the fact that he's the mastermind beho- behind the whole movie, I think you're probably taking the movie a bit too seriously. Um, Hongo, he's the foreman, um, or Hongo as the foreman, Shiro. He's an interesting character that has more layers than I think meets the eye at first. Mm-hmm. And then we've got the scientist, Dr. Aoki, who's this good blend of the pseudoscientist trope that we see in many kaiju films. But he's also kind of a comic relief character in how he relies on others. Um, <laughs> yeah. But really beyond the characters. Um, I mentioned last week, and I think it applies here as well, the effects work because of the sense of scale. And I'll talk more about that in a, in a minute. But before that, what did you think of these characters, Alex? Yeah, I pretty much, you know, I pretty much agree with you on almost all your points on this one. I, I really enjoyed these characters overall. They all worked for this movie. No one really felt inessential in this at all. Like, there was an there, and there was actually this subversion of expectations that have been set by Godzilla that this film did that I really liked. And that was the reporter character. Mm. I've been primed by Godzilla movies to expect the reporter character to be an integral part of the story. <laughs> so when he meets uh, Ichi uh-huh. and they journey to the cave together, I thought it was really interesting how a main character was forcing a small child to take the lead <laughs> as they go into a cave. Yes. <laughs> and, oh, you know, man. we don't usually get a coward for a main character. So I thought that was really interesting. And then the cave starts to collapse. He leaves the child in the cave to, to fend for himself. And he's promptly eaten <laughs> by Gauss. <laughs> I love it. I, I, it's so cool. I, I, I just like that they do that with a reporter character. It's almost like a wink and a nod to what Godzilla mm. had been doing. Like, <laughs> I, I, I really like that. And again, like you said, Shiro, he's this character that he doesn't seem like he has much depth. But as the movie goes on, he, those layers are kind of slowly revealed. Mm-hmm. And let's be real, though. The real star of this movie is Gauss. Yes. No, I agree with you. I didn't think about that with the reporter. I thought he was going to be a more integral part of the story, actually. So I was surprised when he turned out to be <laughs> big bad reporter who leaves children behind in caves after they've just admitted their fear to you. Yeah, he, and he's promptly a snack. <laughs> yeah, very Which promptly. he probably deserved at that point, let's be honest. So. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> No, so I mentioned that sense of scale, Alex, uh, a moment ago, and I just wanted to give you a couple of quick examples. At the beginning of the film, when Mount Fuji is erupting, we see Gamera flying behind the volcano. It's a cool effect of Gamera spinning this mm-hmm. time. Like, I really think they do it in a way that looks really neat. It does. But that's also a really good way to get a sense of scale, which keeps us in the world that the movie wants to create. And I remember us both commenting on Sonic Godzilla. And I promise this will be my last mention <laughs> of Son of Godzilla, Alex. Okay. We'll talk about it more on MVM plus. All right. But this would be my last mention of it here. We're, we didn't get that sense of scale in Son of Godzilla there because there was no real points of comparison. In this film, though, uh, I think we get that. Another great shot is during that first monster battle. And it's this long shot of Gamera and Gauss in in the background of the mountainside while the miniatures of the expressway construction are in the foreground. There are so many details in that shot and in the foreground and those miniatures that they created that it creates that sense of scale. And Mm -hmm. then the camera zooms back a little bit more and we get another shot from inside a building where the construction crew is looking out at that battle and the shot is used through the window. Those small details matter in the world building. One last example, 
Alex, is when we get the shot of Gauss's green light in the distance, mm. you think that that's just going to be the shot. It's a really cool shot in and of itself. It but then we get the military planes just starting to head their way towards that green light. And all of it comes together to make you think like this is an epic scene and, and that there's a real uh, size to these monsters. Yeah, I, I really did like all that. Like these are all really great moments. And again, the effects work of this series is pretty great. And honestly, I think it was really smart of them <laughs> in terms of Gauss. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I didn't see this online. I didn't look it up, but I'm assuming the design of Gauss is a design flaw where he can't turn his head. It's just <laughs> something because of the scale of the creature and the technology of the times that the thing just can't move its head. So uh-huh. I like that because of its inability to move its head, they uh-huh. build a story around it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and as they say in software, it's not a bug. It's a feature. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> so yeah. I don't I don't know if anyone has ever, you know, said that this was what happened, but I have to assume so. Mostly due uh, again to the scale of the creature. I mean, this thing is big. I'm impressed with the way that this giant thing plays out in these monster battles. Like he's able to to fight go toe to toe with a with a camera that could just <laughs> jet around. And mm-hmm. I like that in the battle, Gamera's abilities in, in particular, we really get like, <laughs> we really get a great show. We get a shell roll where he rolls down a mountain yes. to, to hit Gauss, which <laughs> is really cool. And we get that lunging grab where he to, he retracts his back legs and fires himself into Gauss. Mm-hmm. I really like these moments. Uh, and if we're being honest, Ability-wise, I like that Gamera doesn't feel like any other monster that we've ever seen. And uh, really, my favorite thing about that we learn learn about the monster, we actually learn a bit about his personality, Eric. I don't know if you caught this. Okay. We learn that he doesn't actually have to spin when he flies, which oh, means yes. <laughs> he just does it in style. <laughs> right. It's just because it's a style Ichi, choice. Ichi says he doesn't spin whenever Ichi was on his back. Yes. You're right. It is a style choice. Yeah, and I noticed that when but he picked him stylish. up and he was flying over to the to the Ferris wheel, I'm like, he doesn't have to spin, fly. So yeah. we learned that Gamera is actually a show off. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, he he I mean, the way he defeats his enemies by just Biting them in the neck right? is also pretty awesome. You know, yeah, it'll it, show off you, but I, I, I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what's cooler than a monster having the blood of his enemies all over his face, right? Right, right. Which, speaking of his enemy, Gauss is very cool. I like his abilities too. They're they're pretty unique. I like how they're made. This like really fun part of the film, though. Like mm-hmm. the helicopter being sliced in half at the beginning. Yes. <laughs> we don't get the explosion we expect. We get it sliced in half and everyone falling to their deaths. Really yeah. cool. <laughs> also, yes. also, the car being sliced in half by Gauss leads to the best comedic moment of the movie. Oh, yeah. It's really funny. And oddly, it doesn't really feel out of place somehow. <laughs> no. Yeah. Right. It this really is the works. tone of this movie. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's the tone. It's It's not meant to be taken too seriously right but it also again it's not a parody of itself to this point mm-hmm. to this ridiculous point yeah it's not it's not uh king kong versus godzilla <laughs> right where it's not even being satirical really no um, it's not it's just lighter overall right mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. They, they really which i appreciate that, yeah i do too i mean they, they make that laser work for them and every mm-hmm. time that lasers worked especially when he's going up against Gamera. He almost cuts off Gamera's arm at one point and just easily wounds him whenever he gets a direct hit. I really... Mm-hmm. It makes the battle far more interesting when we see Gamera bleeding relatively often in this movie. And yeah. one last thing, effects-wise. I, you know, this has got to be the goofiest plan, as I mentioned earlier, to defeat a monster that I've ever seen. But, <laughs> again, the movie somehow manages it so well that it actually works. <laughs> I yes. don't get it. I don't know how they did it, but they did. They struck this tonal balance that really works for the movie. Like I'm laughing while this while Gauss is just spinning in a circle for five minutes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> somehow 
more outrageous than Plan Z, and yet it works somehow better than Plan Z yes, exactly. <laughs> from the original. Um, but for themes here, I, two quick tiebacks to the first two films of the series, Alex. One, I think it's interesting that Yuasa has used a brother-older-sister relationship in the first movie and then now here. I'm not sure if there's mm-hmm. anything to that, but I think it's an interesting connection. And second, of course, we get that element of greed that we saw so heavy, heavy-handedly in Gamera versus Baragon. Right. But what I think is interesting, the interesting aspect of the greed narrative here is the way that it develops and complicates it. Mm-hmm. And so at first, we get that those villagers who were against the selling of their land for what seems to be moral reasons, and. This is a movie like we felt like we've seen this movie before, right? right? Villagers don't want to sell their sell their land, and it's easy for us as audience members to get behind these characters. For sure. But then we see that they don't actually <laughs> care about the land that much. What they care about is getting the best price for their land. Yeah. And so what they're willing to put up a fight for is money. Um and actually <laughs> I'm okay with that. Like, I'm sympathetic to that idea as well. If you have a major corporation wanting to take away your, you know, your land to build an expressway, they should be paying the highest dollar to these villagers, right? For sure. But then you get the fact that Gauss is on their land and all of a sudden the villagers just want to sell for whatever they can, (laughs) (laughs) right? And I actually think this is a pretty layered look at, what humans usually do. <laughs> right. Isn't it? You know, it's actually like realistic. And I imagine it was a probably a pretty common like issue in Japan in the 60s. Like this probably happened. Oh, right. Yeah. What I don't love about the theme though, Alex, is how the messaging is ultimately handled. Okay. So in the name of progress, and this and maybe this is me being a little bit like I was in uh our Ghidra, the three-headed monster review, Alex, Mm, um, where I went (laughs) off a little bit. But Mm -hmm. here's what the messaging says at the end of this movie. In the name of progress, these villagers are made to look at themselves as greedy. And ultimately, it seems like the film wants to idealize the construction of this expressway in the name of progress, even at the expense of tradition, culture, and the land. In a sense, Alex, it's actually, it feels the opposite of uh, GMK and what Kaneko was trying to say, making me very interested in how he handles Gamera in the Heisei trilogy. Mm. I'm very interested. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> I really did like that little twist that it turns out that it's not initially what we think it is, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> We've seen no. that story so many times. And even back then, you've seen that story so many times. Exactly. And <laughs> for it to be revealed, they just want a lot of money. You know, it's relatable and also just pretty funny, actually, as well. But you're right. They do kind of, I feel like they fumble it a little bit at the end with how it's handled. I mean, they get their entire land burned. (laughs) And they don't care, really. Right. right? Like, they just all of a sudden don't care. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because they learn that greed is bad. Yeah, it's 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 a little mismanaged at the end, for sure. It is. But overall... I actually think it was a pretty nuanced view of the Mm -hmm. issue, you know, which is really interesting for, again, a film that has a pretty light tone, which is (laughs) which makes it more impressive that they were able to handle kind of an adult theme with this more childlike tone. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, But before we continue, Alex, uh, real quick, uh, as a reminder, uh, you can listen to more of us. You may not want to after our, our lengthy conversations here, but you can listen to more <laughs> of us on MVM Plus where uh, we have our extended conversations that we really just don't have time to get into on the normal podcast. So for just $2 a month, you have access to all the MVM Plus episodes starting from week one. And a special shout out to our $5 a month patrons who receive their content early as well. That's Ken David and Kyoe, I really appreciate you. Thank you for supporting the podcast. You encourage us to keep making this podcast the best that we possibly can. This week, what are we talking about on MVM Plus, Alex? Uh, This week, we're talking about the the premiere of Ultraman Z. We uh, give it a brief review, and then we also debate quite a lot about (laughs) Ultraman versus Ultra Q and why we like one over the other. But We're pretty positive on both. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And one last note before we get into our uh, interview here, Alex, and it's a 
we got that wrong segment um, from Kyohei, one of our. And boy, did we get this one wrong. We did get this one wrong. But this is from uh, Kyohei Toshi uh, as well. Alex, one of our patrons. We really appreciate her insight here. And mm-hmm. Alex, since I know you love admitting how wrong you were, mm. why don't you tell us how wrong we were? Yeah, yeah. So just a couple notes. <laughs> About Gamera versus Baragon episode, but uh, the scene where Karen is sucking the blood from Keisuke's wound would be apparently pretty common in the 60s because she uh, she said the Japanese audience would, wouldn't have found it out of place at all because that was a frequent way of what they thought at the time was like disinfecting the wound and getting it clean. So mm-hmm. turns out that wasn't unusual back then. Not something I there thought of. So, uh, she said that you'll see it a lot in Jidegeki films, Yakuza films, and even a bit of the Ultra series, which I haven't seen it on the Ultra series, or maybe I missed that scene, but I guess it's to prevent infection, and next time you get a cut, Eric, that's what I'll Mm -hmm. do for you. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) But apparently, it was really there to show the intense relationship between these two characters because she's willing to do that for him, which makes it make a lot more sense and make it a a lot less weird. (laughs) Yeah. So for sure, for sure. She said that there'd be a more disconnect coming up in the rest of the camera series, but at least in this film, I don't really felt like I saw that. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Also, she mentioned that Onodera's actor, was played, uh, actually played the heroic train yard foreman who rescues Toshio in the first camera film, which I, had hmm. no, I didn't even catch that. But he See, does a great job. He looks job. familiar to me. He, he looks familiar to me. He does a great job in Gamera versus Baragon. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not surprised uh, that he played a hero in another film because I, I could see that actor doing a lot more than what he was doing in Baragon, for sure. Yeah, for sure. He's talented. With that said, Alex, uh, it is now time to welcome Matt onto the podcast. Let's go ahead and welcome Matt in. All right. This week, Alex, I am pleased to welcome on our second YouTuber ever to the show and the host of the Monstrosities Tokusatsu vlog, Matt. He interviews a variety of other content creators, and he reviews our favorite monster movies. Um, I'd love when he holds live chats with fans and other creators. I'm super excited to have him on. Welcome, Matt. Is, is there anything you would like to say to introduce yourself to the audience? I don't know what I've done to get such an awesome spot as a guest on this podcast. So I thank you. <laughs> no, it's, 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 uh, it's really awesome to be here. Yeah, I'm glad we could grace you with our presence, Matt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As am I. As am I. <laughs> yeah, we're 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 both really excited to have you, and we you know we've been watching some of your stuff recently, your Q and A vlogs, and some of your reviews where you just talk about how much you just absolutely love Space Godzilla. <laughs> and uh, so, I really want to know, like, what was your inspiration for starting your channel? Well, like. I had a brief stint on uh, Channel Awesome. That was the website that Doug Walker, the nostalgia critic, did. And mm. uh, after after that, I needed. I just wanted to kind of get back into the internet video game, and uh, not the literal internet video game, the the game <laughs> that is of internet <laughs> videos. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I I've been a lifelong Tokusatsu fan. I mean, I I've been a Godzilla fan all my life and you know, that graduated me into Ultraman and Kamen Rider and Sentai and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So it was like, cool, let's just do something. And it started off as, I mean, it, this show has been going on. I hate to say it for like eight some odd years and it has taken all sorts of different forms over the years. I mean, we've done like what you described right now is kind of our current iteration, but in the past it's been like, Oh, we do try to do these deep dive essays and then we do this oh. and that. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just been kind of a, an outlet for a, a lifelong obsession. Really? <laughs> That's awesome. That- that is awesome. Um, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, I was watching one of your live vlogs, and you had on a couple of guests that we've had on our podcast, actually. So how, how have you enjoyed talking with other fans and creators from the franchise? You know, the the really cool thing about this whole thing, you know, it's not about view counts. It's not about 
ad revenue, which is always oh, those things are always nice because you know you everybody who gets on the YouTube platform puts in a lot of hard work and a lot of effort. Mm-hmm. And th- this might seem a little cheesy, but this is the absolute truth. What I'm about to say, I have been so blessed with the people that I've met on here and who have actually become like good friends. You know, like a lot of uh, YouTube creators, like uh, you know Kaiju Noir, Professor Kaiju. Um, Goji fan, nineteen ninety three, D man, nineteen fifty four, uh, Blue Nova, uh, and then you know just other people, podcasters like yourselves and stuff. Um, just to be able to talk to these people and, and get to know them and actually be able to call them, you know, friends. Uh, it's yeah. been um, it's been awesome, and of course, you know, interacting with with the fan base too, and and that's the other really cool thing about and you guys probably deal with it all the time too is that you just never know who's either watching or listening. Right. And mm-hmm. like, there's, there's always that, you know, I, I can't even tell you, I'm not trying to brag, but I have gotten so many stories just even over the past year of people who have been like, Oh man, thank you so much for putting out the, these movie reviews. They made me laugh when I was having like a really hard time in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, it's just a really cool thing, you know, and it, it's really yeah. humbling to be able to, you know, you're sitting here just being a couple of goof offs with your friends and you're actually entertaining people, you know? Yeah. Um, it's really cool. That, that is awesome. Have any of your guests like surprised you in any way? You just, I was not expecting that from that specific person. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, just trying to think, I'm sure there's something there, but I, you know, I guess it's just like, I, just the, that friend aspect that I was talking about mm-hmm. before, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, uh, ben Chaffins, he's a or he's a uh, a writer. Uh, he's on Sci Fi Japan right now. He interviews a whole bunch of people. He has a book coming out, I believe, in August or something. Um, he's a guy yeah. who you know I just started kind of chat with, and I think I, I interviewed him for a video, and then we became fast friends. You know, uh, yeah. that guy is just cool as all heck. Um, so sorry, sorry for kind of the repeat answer, but no, I, but I, I think, no, I think that's great. like the surprising thing, really. That's, that's kind of been the interesting thing for us is we've very quickly became friends with a lot of the community. Like, uh, Mike, Michael over at Kaiju Groupie, we, <laughs> he, he texts me all the time now and it, that's awesome. it, it's, it's been fun to get to know everybody. G-Man has been a blast to just... Oh, no, no. G-Man, G- Jack's not really that cool of a guy. You're giving him too much credit. There. I know. He sucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jack is awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's good. But everyone, uh, at least that listens to us, kind of knows that I'm not a huge fan of All Monsters Attack, which I know is a recommendation for a lot of people. So I want to know from you, like, what's a recommendation of an underappreciated Godzilla movie, in your opinion? And you it, mean, can, it can be All Monsters Attack. You, you, you mean you don't you don't appreciate the the nuanced family views that the, of the 1960s Japan that that movie offers? I appreciate that they are there. I don't think that they are delivered effectively. We're gonna get along just fine. Oh man, Eric, you're gone. Matt, thank you for yeah. being my co-host. Um, yeah, you know, as as far as like the movies go, uh, one. It's been really fun to kind of like, you know, because I, I review it with my buddy Brian over on the channel and, and we've slowly been getting through these movies, emphasis on slowly. But like uh, Son of Godzilla was one revisiting that I I was like, oh, my gosh, like I actually kind of like this movie. <laughs> like the, uh, the effects are good. The music is great. Uh, and it was just something that um, I don't think that movie gets a lot of a lot of love. And I, I think obviously it, it's marred a little bit by Minya. You know, everybody always has, you know, crap to say about him. <laughs> but right. like, uh, but like you, you just, you cannot get away from those puppet effects with Kamakuris and Kumanga. Like they yeah. look amazing. Kumanga really is so impressive. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. It really is. Yeah. That and Ibra Horror of the Deep are two movies that, you know, when I watched them, I liked them, but the more I think about them, <laughs> I'm like, hey, you know what? I kind of like that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I. It's funny that you bring that movie up, Matt, because I in the segment before this, I actually compared the two because our movie today, Gamera versus Gauss, came out in 1967, the same That's year right. as Son of Godzilla. So before we get into our awards here, um, what's your general disposition towards Gamera versus Gauss? Like, how do you view this movie um, in a nutshell? 
I will. Uh, it was one of those movies I didn't grow up watching, but as an adult, I I think I had a bit of an appreciation for it. And I think it's a lot like the rest of Showa Kaiju stuff where it's like, it's really easy to pass off, but if you dive into it, there's actually a lot of stuff in there to kind of celebrate and to talk about, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the introduction to probably my second all time favorite enemy Kaiju behind King Ghidorah. And that's of course Gauss. Like nice. you, you just, oh. he, he's just such a cool monster. And I, I loved, <laughs> I loved what happened to space Gauss and Gamma versus Giron. Um, I, uh, the Gamera Guardian of the Universe is like my all-time favorite kaiju movie. And, and of course he's the big bad in that. And, uh, mm-hmm. it's an enjoyable movie, you know, it's, it's got its problems yeah. obviously, but I, it's, it's enjoyable for what it is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I it's think you fun. are in line with our general disposition towards this film as well. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into these awards. Then Alex, we'll start with you. What is your coolest character award? Yeah, I'm starting to notice I have I've gotten this trend of, <laughs> of my characters that I picked that are coolest. Uh, so I got a Kabe, the reporter, who I was 100% certain was going to be a main character. Uh, <laughs> I was like really into him. You know, previous Godzilla movies would never have this type of main character. Like, yeah, they would have a reporter, but this one, he's a coward and he's kind of a jerk. And you know, he I, I thought he might become cool, but. No, he forces this child into a cave in front of him. <laughs> and, and, and when the cave starts to crumble, he just leaves the kid behind, which, you know, that's really cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> but no, but really, the cool part is when he, you know, he's the first one to be on screen eaten by Gauss. It's implied some yes. other characters were eaten, but actually <laughs> to see him get eaten was a nice surprise. And that's why he's so cool. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I I feel you there. Uh, I, he'll come back up in one of my awards here in a second. But my coolest character was Dr. Aoki. Not only does he feature an epic goatee, <laughs> he's also willing to listen to new ideas and adapt to a situation. I particularly like that edit. Uh, it feels really abrupt. And it's between Ichi, he's suggesting that Gauss only comes out at night. And it, it's this quick cut, and I, I think it's it's played for humor. And it's a quick cut to Doctor Aoki saying, "So Gauss is nocturnal, right? <laughs> like he, he needed Ichi to figure it out for him." But the way that the film is edited, it really turns it into this humorous sort of punchline. So yeah. I love that subversion of authority that Doctor Aoki plays into without really being the straw man of a scientist. Like he does have these theories. Um, he does have his pseudoscience, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But he's he's a, he's a character in his own right, but also a little bit of comic relief. So I appreciated Dr. Aoki. Matt, who did you have for your coolest character? You guys have like these beautiful descriptions down and everything and explaining <laughs> so eloquently like these characters. And I literally have Japanese Abbott and Costello as my notes. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great description though it, it, it was, the, the, it was. The, the the two worker guys that that were yeah. with um with shiro i think it was right but like yeah, uh, yeah. but just like the the physical comedy that they were getting into kind of reminded me of some of the stuff of like from king kong versus godzilla you know the japanese cut yeah. um they were just they were fun to watch and i i know yeah. i can't really get much deeper than that but whenever they were on screen you're like oh boy here we go <laughs> Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're it, hilarious. Yeah. Mm-hmm, they are. Th- this film really nails comedy when it tries to. Like, I, I don't know if it really like whiffs whenever it does try to go for comedy. Yeah. It's. I, it, I, I, w- I would agree with that. Yeah, it's interesting that it go- it does comedy, but it also has like serious aspects to it too, which is not something you usually see much in this time era. I feel at least with the Godzilla movies, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. For sure. For sure. It's a hard tone. It's a hard tone to balance, but I, I honestly think it does pretty well at balancing. Um, let's start with you, Matt, for the most memorable line award. What do you got for most memorable <laughs> line? Okay, so it's where it's where uh, 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 Kabe, the, the reporter guy, right? He's like, uh-huh. he's trying to get up the mountain and uh, Ichi, the kid's there, and he's trying to convince the kid to take him up the mountain, but the kid's like, you know, oh no, the, the whole village would treat me as a traitor. I can't possibly do it. And this right. reporter is like, and this is on the sub version. I think it might have been on like the old Mill Creek Blu-ray or something. This reporter is pleading to uh-huh. him. He's like, come on, kid, it'd be a big scoop. And the kid, like, 
he suddenly perks up and he's like, Scoop, I like them too. And, <laughs> yeah. and I, I was thinking I was thinking, I'm like I'm like, wait a minute, like like is he thinking like ice cream scoop? But no, it's That's like what I was thinking. hard hard news apparently is enough to entice this kid and then the <laughs> the, the double whammy of Gamera is he's like, Oh hell yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was a funny line and I was like I was right there with you. I was like, Ice cream? <laughs> what about you eric so i've got a line from grandpa kanamura he says i can't help but think the god sent gauss to punish us for being so greedy now i disagree with his overall sentiment there you know i think if we think about the gods like punishing us for being greedy we run into some pretty sticky situations but (laughs) if we think about it in more like this karma sense or in this ancient greek sense that quote certainly makes sense from a certain perspective. I like how it's it's kind of romantic in this classical sense, so I appreciate it for that reason. <laughs> All right, nerd. What about you, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, there, there's this boardroom scene, which I really like boardroom scenes in in these show era films. But uh, there's there's I forgot who the character was. He was leaning over talking to Doctor Aoki, and he says, "As a zoologist, what is it?" And Ichi interrupts when he hears this, and he just shouts, "It's Gauss!" <laughs> he's already named it. And instead of letting the doctor talk about the the actual specifics of the monster, which he's asking, we just get this very childlike response that I could see my daughter having if I yes. asked somebody, you know, well, what is this really? And if she's named it, it's Gauss. <laughs> because that's the way it sounded, Alex. That's, that's the way Gauss's roar sounded, right? So. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, definitely. That was my, <laughs> that's the sound I first thought of. <laughs> yeah. Alex, what about your Can't Believe That Acting Award? Uh, mine's got to be Nayuki uh, Abe as Ichi. You have to give props. Anytime a child actor is not annoying. <laughs> like, and he's actually really adorable here. And he sells his he sells his comedy and he really sells his role as leader of the Gauss resistance. Like <laughs> the Gauss resistance. <laughs> he, knows, he, knows, he knows everything. He's so smart. <laughs> we need we need like a Photoshop of Ichi in like some military gear with like Gauss resistance on his jacket pocket. I like it. <laughs> I like it. I like it. We're gonna have to do that. Uh, I want some uh, stuff that we can like stitch into jackets and stuff too, you know, Gauss resistance yeah. on there. Yeah, yes. like a patch. That'd be great. There we go. There's some merch ideas for us. There you go. That's awesome, Matt. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of take a little bit from you there with Ichi. Like his whole speech about the whole greed thing. You know, Mm -hmm. like the 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 greed aspect. I was just kind of like, okay, like it's kind of forced in there. You know, it's that. It's like, hey, if we keep doing this, if we keep polluting space, more monsters are going to be here. And you're just like, oh, I guess that's a thing. Yeah. Uh, and and with with this, it was just kind of like, oh, that's that's interesting, I guess. <laughs> right, right, yeah, I, I, I'm right. I think me, me and Eric kind of talked about the same thing. Is that it's a little heavy handed, a little bit, but he really sells that that whole moment. Oh, he does, yeah. and it's probably the kid that sells that moment because every time you know the old fogies would come up talking about their land in the midst of this monster attack you know you're just like what is going on here like come on guys and it's the kid who of course reminds them it's like yo there's bigger things to worry about here <laughs> yeah, yeah for sure for sure well, eric what about you so you mentioned him earlier alex akabe the reporter and the actor there is shin minatsu and I just think he plays a really good jerk of a character. <laughs> uh, he plays the, the jerk role so well and convincingly before he meets his toothy demise. Yes. Um, and I just think this is another reason to just talk about a great directing moment when you know he leaves the cave and there's that moment where he he seemingly starts to float out of nowhere. Right. Yeah. Uh, and as Gao's grabbing him and he seems to float in the sky out of nowhere. And then we see the point of view shot from Akabe's perspective heading towards Gao's mouth. And you got to love that moment in particular. And I think Minatsu played it off perfectly. Yeah. 
Can you guys yeah. name like another movie that has a skeezy character that meets a fate like that? Like even just a minor character, because the more you guys talk about it, the more I'm realizing like, yeah, that was a good character, you know, as being kind of like a, just a small time bad guy. Yeah. Well, they, the big time yeah. bad guy in the last movie met a similar end, but it, again, that's the only really time I've seen it. Uh, Barugan grabs, I forgot his name. He was my favorite character last week, but he, he grabs him with his tongue. His name? What? Yeah, Onodera, that's right. He grabs Onodera off a boat and then eats him. But other than that, I was mentioning last week, I don't, we don't see this very often. We don't we don't yeah. see the bad guy get eaten all that often. I guess unless you're... Well, not in the Godzilla. Not in the Godzilla <laughs> franchise, at least. Right. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I really I really like little things like that. Like That's what I was talking about before. When you like deep dive into this, you can pick out little things like that that are just kind of against you know, trope and archetype around this time period. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what about your standout effect award, Matt? You know, man, I'm going to have to go with like the only optical effect. I think that was in the whole movie and that was Gauss's sonic beam. Um, yeah. I, I love that thing. I can't think of anything, especially in the Showa era that had similar properties. Like the next thing is like, Oh, Shin Godzilla's, you know, atomic breath or something that can just slice through whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I uh, I was reading up before uh, recording this, and uh, according to one of John LeMay's books, apparently every time that effect was done, it added like an extra thousand dollars to the budget. <laughs> oh and I guess God. I guess, uh, and then I read it in, in uh, Oriental Cinema. Um, th- I guess that that pushed the movie like over budget. So like, I, I personally I think it was worth it. I I, I love seeing that yeah. thing slice through the cars, and obviously through mm-hmm. cameras, arms, and tail, and. You get the geysers of, you know, green goop is blood. It's great. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It, it is a cool effect. I would never have guessed it was that expensive to do, though. Because, yeah. you know, by today's standards, I mean, obviously, by today's standards especially, it just looks like someone kind of drew a line on the film almost. But, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Today, you just take it into After Effects and just, you know, have like uh-huh. Daikaiju Legends do your effects for you. And, and there you yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. But but I really like the way they use that. We were talking about it earlier. That The, the way that thing's used is just great. It what about leads. you? Yeah. Yeah, it leads directly into my standout effect award, which is the both of the vehicles being split into the helicopter <laughs> and the car. Right? The helicopter is, is kind of terrifying in a way because we see people falling out of the helicopter to their deaths. But the car, it makes absolutely zero sense, <laughs> yeah. but it made me laugh a lot. It really yeah. did. Yeah, it's a really great comedic moment for sure. Uh, you know, but hey, Eric, they may not have died. They never found the bodies. <laughs> Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> we, we will never know. Alex, yes. what do you have for your standout effect? Yeah, you know, normally I'd pick a miniature or some part of the monster fight, but instead I had this, like, really simple thing. Uh, it's the blue light that they chose for the cave. It's <laughs> oh, really yeah. a good decision. Like, like, just aesthetically, it looks great. And mm-hmm. it's also on the back of Gauss's head, which I think was actually a good choice too. But the reason I like it, it does something similar to almost what uh, the re- playing some of the stuff in reverse does for Ghidorah when he's first revealed. It really gives that otherworldliness to his mm-hmm. origin. And like it, you really feel like this monster doesn't quite belong here, which I really like. Yeah, that's, awesome. that, that's a cool one. Um, what about in our last award here, Alex? What about your Oh, That's a Good Shot award? Uh, yeah, so I, I really like <laughs> this ridiculous plan to lure a gauss with blood and then spin them like a little spinny top. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but my favorite part of it is the payoff of all the planning. And when you see the three helicopters going to lure him, and it's just a shot of the three hel- helicopters going, but they've got that trail of blood smoke trailing behind them. And it just looks really cool. And I think it's like just this great payoff for this big plan that ultimately say it fails but it's pretty cool yeah, yeah. no that's, that's great um well you know i'm a lover of sunrises and sunsets oh Alex. i know you're a sucker and just dis- and despite a crucial scene involving a sunrise and a sunset i'm not going to go with one of those shots <laughs> disappointing. Uh, I'm, i know i'm i'm actually going to go with there's this bird bird's eye uh shot of ichi crawling on gamera's back towards the ferris mm-hmm. wheel i don't know if you remember that yeah. It was a quick shot. And it's not perfect. It's not perfect by any means. But so much had to go right effects-wise to make that sh- shot work for 1967. 
and it does right it it, it works in that it shows Ichi's small size on Gamera and it works in showing Gamera size in relation to the Ferris wheel. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also shows like he actually needs to get a little bit closer for Ichi to make yes. that reach, which he does. Um, so I really like that. It, it wasn't a perfect shot, but I was really impressed by it uh, for 1967. That's yeah. awesome. It is. Yeah. Matt, um, what'd you have? So this is going to be a bit of a weird choice. And I, I, I want you guys to try to remember it's, it's, it is totally a non-important shot, but it is a shot that I rewound at least three or four times trying to figure out how it was done. So Gauss reappears, right? And uh-huh. uh, Shiro shoots his rifle and he ignites the aerial flare, right? And the flare mm-hmm. lights up and it, the camera pulls back and you see down below, there's a military force, right? The, all the tanks that are ready to start shooting at them. Yeah. Well, as they pull out, there is a shot of a building that has like the illuminated like silhouettes of soldiers moving about, right? Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. the thing uh-huh. that I, usually when you watch these movies, and maybe I'm just dumb, but like usually when you watch <laughs> these movies, you can be like, oh, that's a composite, right? right? But it looked way too clean for 1967. And the the movement of like the shadows were like way too like organic and fluid yeah. for me to think that it was like, oh, little, you know, little men that they're just like putting in front of right. lights or something. And the only thing I could figure was that, like, was it some kind of projection or was the composite just really that good? Because it's obviously on a miniature set. Um, But like I said, it is it is such a nondescript, unimportant shot. But it was something that, like, caught my attention. I was like, huh, that's yeah, it was really kind of cool. Yeah, this whole film, I mean, that's. This whole film is really impressive. I mean, the whole the, these three Gamera films that we've watched so far, I've been really impressed with their effects. Yeah. Especially considering that I believe that these are cheaper to make than Godzilla. Yeah. And yeah. and I mean, they do a really good job and I know I've seen the Heisei trilogy and I know that they were comparatively cheaper and those effects are pretty amazing too. So is this a I mean, I, I know things go a little south after this. um but i'm really impressed with how they're able to use their budget to make this even if they did spend a little too much money on the the gauss death ray (laughs) (laughs) i i would i would agree with that like i i would also kind of add to it that like even though it might not look as um as big as godzilla i don't necessarily think it looks cheap either i think they really do they really stretch out that that yen you know Mm -hmm. yeah even that final battle it it uh, it doesn't suffer from the redundancies that a lot of the Godzilla final battles do, where they do the same tack three times or something like that. Yeah, they they keep it fresh the entire time, and mm-hmm. the effects always look good during the battle. So, I, I'm I'm pretty impressed by this movie, actually. Yeah, no, I I think you're both right. It is impressive, and I think that's a good way for us to get into our rating and ranking here. Um, so, Matt, we rank our movies out of five. Um, and if you would like, you can also kind of, where does tell us, where does this rank within the Gamera series for you? So we'll start with you, Matt, what would you rate this movie and where does it rank? I would probably give it three out of five sliced planes. Probably. <laughs> um, and, and I would say at least out of the Showa set, this is definitely in the top two or three for me. It's been a while since I've like revisited, revisited them, but but this one and Giron are ones I, I find myself like watching more consistently than say like, you know, Zegra or Jiger or something like that. Oh, um, nice. So it would, it would definitely be one I think I would recommend more to people if they were like interested in old school camera uh, for sure. Yeah. I, no, that's, um, that's, that's good. And that makes me excited for Giron. That'd be, I'm, I'm looking forward to it now. <laughs> oh, you haven't, you haven't seen Giron yet? No. No. Or- so, yeah, we haven't. That's that's, oh, that's the fun part. Is like, and that was the thing, Matt. Is <laughs> I've actually never seen any of the Godzilla films either. Oh, that's awesome! Right. Um, so Alex had seen them all. I hadn't seen them all. I I've only I only saw like Godzilla '98. So, <laughs> um, 
it was a journey and we kind of walked through them a week at a time. So yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. I have not seen the Heisei trilogy of the Gamera series, oh, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> How freaking fun is that? That's awesome. Yeah, right. Um, I, I, I cannot wait to hear your guys' reaction to some of the stuff that goes on in Giron. I, I don't, I'm not trying to hype it up. I just, uh, I'm not going to try to spoil anything either, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah, how much fun is that? That's incredible. Yeah, I, yeah, I had no, only great. seen the Heisei trilogy and the original Gamera, and that's all that I had seen. So these last two movies are brand new for me on this on this uh, on for Seriously. Gamera. Yeah, it's so cool. Uh, hey, it's really cool too. Sorry, not to interrupt. It's really cool that no, you guys are able to uh, to watch a movie that's you know this this cheap little Tokusatsu from '67 and enjoy it as much as you have. You know, like I, I just, not to sound weird, I just think that's the coolest thing. Oh yeah, but we, uh, I mean, we I don't enjoy up. every movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. I didn't really enjoy the first camera. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I grew up with Godzilla. I grew up with Godzilla versus Megalon. I grew up with Godzilla or uh, Terror of Mechagodzilla and the original, and they were like the movies I watched all the time, and then. You know, I've always had this appreciation for it, but I, the part of our podcast is that I've dragged Eric along for this ride that he didn't <laughs> want. To, he, he he, part of him wanted to go on as a film snob. He wanted to see why I like these movies, but he's really he's gotten into it a little, even maybe even more than me at some yeah. points. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's awesome. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> and you know, so Matt, you mentioned that shot, and it was that simple shot, but that was kind of profound, and you're still unsure of how the filmmakers did it. And I think this movie Gamma versus Gauss is the type of movie that does fill me with that wonder in the sense that I'm still not sure how the filmmakers created some of these simple, but profound effects. Um, as I mentioned in my review last week for Godzilla versus Baragon, I think the sense of scale invoked by the miniatures, it helps build a world that we're comfortable settling into. And the characters here, they're not always the most profound, but they're lovable enough and they have enough chemistry between them to carry the movie even when the monsters aren't around. Ichi, our child protagonist, he always knows exactly what's going <laughs> on. And I think that's hilarious. I think it just adds to the tone of this film. There's a clear link, obviously, that you also wants us, the audience, to, to see between Gamera and Ichi. And I think it's really highlight, highlighted in that transition edit between Gamera healing at the bottom of the ocean mm -hmm. and it transitions to Ichi sleeping. Um, there's that connection that you also, he wanted to bring that into the original Gamera, I felt like, but he really brought it into this one. Now, the pseudoscience in the film, you know, uh, Gauss having the two throats, that's just pulpy fun. And the introduction <laughs> of Gauss as a form formidable enemy, it raises the stakes here for sure. So I actually give this film a 3.5 out of 5. Um, and of the three Gamera films we've seen so far, it ranks at the top of my list. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm, it's at the top of my list as well. I mean, I, I've kind of had nothing but good things to say about this one, but the thing that I can't get over is how this movie manages its tone so perfectly. <laughs> like mm -hmm. I'm laughing at everything, but I'm also never rolling my eyes. Even when yeah. Gauss is spinning on top of a building, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm all in. I'm, I'm in for this goofy ride. I do think that the addition of like uh, the final plan after the blood plan doesn't work. It's almost mm -hmm. a little too unnecessary and drags the film down a little bit. But yeah. the the battles in this, the the characters are all they're they're all essential. While not most of them aren't super deep, they all feel like they have a place in the movie. This is this is Gamera. I mentioned last week that it finally felt like it found what Gamera is, as opposed to it not. <laughs> It wasn't just not Godzilla. It was finally Gamera. Well, this is yeah. really this is really what Gamera feels should feel like to me. Like it hits all the right notes for me. And you know, since it's so it was a great ride for me, I give it a three point five out of five. Nice again, my number one Gamera movie so far. I I think Alex, uh, I didn't mention any of my negative points either. Really, I was I was staying pretty positive in that review. The reason it's not higher than the three point five out of five for me is the pacing that you mentioned uh, mm -hmm. in the final third of the movie, as well as 
kind of the the thematic conclusion to the villagers versus progress <laughs> theme that we mentioned in the last segment. Yeah, I didn't just... really like how that turned out. Um, so that was my, as, as much as I thought it was actually a nuanced view, I didn't like the conclusion there. So that's what brought it down a little bit for me, but I still had a great time with it. 3.5 yeah. out of five for sure. <laughs> yeah, man, look at that. I'm finally positive on a gamer. <laughs> there you go. Alex. There you go. Uh, now, Matt, where where can people find you online and what's in store for you this upcoming year? Do you have any creative projects in your near future? Yeah, uh, people can follow me on Twitter at Tokusatsu Vlog. They can also uh, uh, find all the video stuff over on Monstrosity's Tokusatsu Vlog on YouTube. Uh, we got a Discord, we're on Instagram. Uh, just put in Monstrosities, you'll probably find us. Uh, yeah, This year has been crazy, much like I'm sure how it's been for everybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, the... Uh, Kind of like what we're doing right now on the channel is we're trying to wrap up our reviews and, and keep moving forward with that, doing more of the live streams. Uh, we are doing, we're participating in Kaiju Conline, which is uh, the online Kaiju convention that's taking place the, what would have been the weekend of G-Fest this year. And uh, that's being put on by Kyle Yount, formerly of uh, Kaiju Cast. And uh, we got a panel there. And then um, there's another online convention in August uh, called Nexus Con which uh, myself and a couple other people will will be doing uh, two Godzilla-centric panels for, which is also pretty cool. And I am also in the midst of starting a new channel with a very good friend of mine, uh, Bryce, a.k.a. Professor Kaiju. Uh, We are trying to create a channel that is going to be solely focused on more documentary-type videos concerning all aspects of tokusatsu. So kaiju... Uh, writer stuff, henshin hero stuff. Um, there's been a, it's been a, a an interesting time to to kind of see the, the in this age of information, kind of like how much there is a lack of that, and I feel like right. we're kind of in need of um, of more stuff like that. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned that in one of your videos. You know, where are the tokusatsu experts? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that that video got me in trouble with some people, but yeah, yeah, it's. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely something, uh, you know, we're, we're a world away from, from this stuff, you know, and we're very lucky to kind of have what we have in terms of the information, but what, what is becoming quickly apparent is that, uh, that information, a lot of the stuff is drying up just because a lot of new stuff is not being written. And Mm -hmm. there are certain entities in prominent positions that have very loud microphones that are putting information out there that is not necessarily true. You know, it's all based on it's all based on opinion as opposed to say like, you know, actual like, Hey, this, this is research stuff, you know? Unfortunately right. we got guys like Kevin Derendorf and John LeMay and Ben Chaffins out there still doing this awesome work. But um, I do think that we need to do our best, everything we can to really emphasize that and make sure the rest of the community knows that there's still good, solid information, you know, that people can go to. Yeah, I mean, you're picking a really great time to do that. With all these Mill Creek releases and the new Ultraman Z is just like <laughs> directly beamed into everyone's house for free, you're picking a really great time because it feels like there's this weird resurgence in the, or not resurgence, just a surgence <laughs> in, uh, in America for these types of things. So I think you're like doing it at the perfect time. Totally. And it is incredible. The fact that you can actually go onto an app and watch all 49 episodes of Kamen Rider Kuga for free, <laughs> subtitled, is fantastic. And you're right about the Mill Creek stuff. It, it, I mean, we're spoiled as hell right now. We're getting the Arrow box set for this very series that we're talking about tonight. I mean, it's it's a beautiful time. Yeah, yeah. It, it really is. Oh, just real quick. Is Kamen Rider Kuga worth it? Because I'm watching normal Kamen Rider and I love it. <laughs> Kuga is definitely worth it, and I'm, I'm really glad that that's what they started to, to bring over. Kuga was, you know, the first in the Heisei series, and, uh, you know, I, I will probably get eviscerated for saying this, but I think it it was good before – it was during the time when Ryder was still good before it got too, like, really kiddie. Um, yeah. But I definitely recommend checking that one out. And if you haven't already, it's not necessarily available for free, but you might be able to find it on other means. Common Rider Zeto and Common Rider J both are forty-five minute standalone films. They're mm-hmm. really fun stuff. Oh, awesome! Nice. I'm definitely going to look into that. Nice, yeah, me too. Um, 
We move into our last part of the podcast, Matt, and this is our rhyme time. And I'm not sure if you came oh, up no. with a rhyme that you want to share with us, but if not, oh. Alex and I will share ours. Oh, no. I, I, I did, but I don't think you're going to want me to share mine. No, no. Just <laughs> do, do it. Alex needs time to think of his real quick. Uh, so go ahead and share yours, Wait, Matt. Is it, is it virus or virus? Is it virus? I, I think it's – I don't know. I think it's virus. I always call it virus because you have the A instead of the U, but it's <laughs> virus, I guess. Oh, okay. Boy. Yeah. Okay. This is Which, what, what I got. got this, this, is, this is horrendous, and I apologize for nothing. Uh, do you suppose they listened to the kids when they gave them more gore and decapitating space squids? <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's actually good. Yeah. <laughs> that's better. That's better than – you know, 99% of R. So mine is and just to buy Alex some more time here. Alex, my, <laughs> mine is when Gamera's budget is cut in half, does Gamera versus virus make us laugh or does the film become a gaffe? Oh, well, y'all buy a lot of time for me to give you something bad. Um, so with, <laughs> when Gamera fights virus, well, when the film ends, will we cheer us? <laughs> oh my gosh, dude. <laughs> Alex. <laughs> That's so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> See, Alex just makes up words at this point. So any anything that you do, Matt, will top anything that Alex might throw at us. So <laughs> <laughs> but once again, Matt, we really do appreciate you joining us on the podcast. Everyone, go check out Monstrosity's vlog right now. Um, you won't regret it. Right. Um, as always, um, you can find us on Twitter at MVM underscore pod. We're on Letterboxd, Alex Cornette and Eric Neely. You can email us at MVMPod at gmail.com or leave us a message on MVMPod.com. Support us on Patreon at Patreon.com slash MVMPod and receive regular bonus content. And if you feel so led, leave us a review on iTunes. Your review really does help. Monsters vs. Mint is produced by Alex Cornette. Special thanks to our wives. Rock Band for PlayStation 3, Senor Honda, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next week, try, try to, to stay, stay alive. alive. <laughs> Peace out. Thanks, man. That was awesome, man. Yeah, hey, man. thank you, man. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> Matt, Matt's a pro. He knows. He knows what's going on. Yeah. So. I, I will keep pretending to make you think that you know. Or right. keep, keep, you know, appearances are everything these days. That's right. That's right. You don't actually have to know what you're doing. Yeah. Appear, appearances are everything, and that's why we stick to podcasts and not. <laughs>